All right, so uh, this week, a little bit longer reading, um, but it was a set of Jeremiah that really kind of needed to be taken all together because um, it kind of continues to flow through uh, his thoughts on it. And last week, we took a what I feel was a very serious and important look at repentance. And I pray that it affected us all this week um, as far as our own repentance and having a plan for our own repentance. Um, This week's reading, uh, Jeremiah 4, 5 through 6.30, is some pretty heavy stuff. It was some pretty heavy reading. And uh, so to to begin this, I kind of wanted to start with a main idea uh, statement and... The reason I wanted to kind of start with this main idea statement is because it's what um, Jeremiah is kind of experiencing in his own life. It is uh, a point of application for uh, the preacher of the true gospel. Um, so I think it um, it's important for us to kind of look at this main idea statement as kind of like, a basis for how we look at um, Jeremiah's perspective in this. Um, The main idea statement is this. The call of a prophet or biblical preacher is a lonely one. The call of a prophet or biblical preacher is a lonely one. And as you know, um, in some of the commentary work I'm doing, um, the commentator, I think correctly, kind of interchanges prophet, biblical preacher, because the only prophecy that any preacher does is when we're reading the scriptures. That's, that's, that's the truth. So I think he's intercha- he interchanges those, so I think we need to interchange those ourselves. Um, when we are called to give the truth, which we know comes from scripture because um, God's word is the truth according to Jesus Christ himself, who is God, um, when, we have to, when we, we're called to do that in an uncompromising way, uh, we may not be accepted. Um, and we may stand alone at times, and that can get lonely. And I think that's what we see um, Jeremiah experience. And if you want to hear another experience of it, let's turn to Mark 6, 4. As Jesus Christ himself says, a prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and among his own relatives and in his own household. So we see that sometimes that call is a very lonely one. So let's first look at what is the context here of what we're looking at. I think the first point is something that we've seen reiterated all through what we've read so far in Jeremiah. Disaster is coming to the nation of Israel, the nations of Judah. Disaster is coming. They have sinned against God. They have turned towards other gods. They've become very idolatrous. They've allowed their their, uh, ashtaroths and their idols and all these things, they've allowed those things into into their lives too when they were supposed to worship God only. And they began to allow those things in. And the worst thing, I think, is that they have forgotten his word, as we can see 
as we began when we talked about Josiah, Josiah, uh, they were cleaning out the temple basically and they found the scrolls. And so they've forgotten his word because they hadn't even known where it was. As uh, me and Kelby were joking with each other, he forgot his Bible a couple, a couple of Sundays ago at home. And I said, well, is there enough dust on it now to write the word damnation on it? Um, as uh, Charles Spurgeon would say, that many Bibles are so unused that there's enough dust to write the word damnation on it. But that's where they were. They didn't have this. They, they didn't have them. They, they were lost. But they had begun rediscovering them, right? The next point that we see of context here is that God is going to send other nations to take them captive. He's very clear on it. Uh, he says, it's coming from the north. Get ready. Flee. You better run because they're coming. And also, that the person lucky enough to spread the news about this is Jeremiah. Now, there are major issues in that for Jeremiah, I think, probably in his own heart based on what, he's, what he writes here. The first, is, the first major issue is that he's got to tell everybody God is going to bring destruction to our nation. And the second issue is that the people don't care. And the other issue is that no one else is saying anything else about it. And we see that there are other, and of course we'll get to see these more throughout Jeremiah, but there are other so-called prophets that are saying, no, peace, peace, awesome, it's going to be great. We're God's people. Nothing's ever going to happen to us. Yet Jeremiah is being told very clearly by God, I'm about to take these people captive. We're about to take care of this issue of idolatry in this nation. So, what this set of scriptures serves to be is Jeremiah's thoughts on all this. He states what God is telling him to say, and he states how he feels about it, pretty much. And it's almost kind of like a journal or a diary section that we can kind of get a glimpse into the eyes of a, a lonely prophet, right? Um, Jeremiah must speak the truth in an environment and to a group of people who really don't care to hear the truth. And Jeremiah's not alone in this. We see it all throughout scriptural history. We see um, the greatest example is Christ himself speaking the truth. The Pharisees did not want to hear it, and they hated him for it. Um, the, uh, the apostles, as they went out and spread Christianity throughout the known world at the time, they were killed. Why? Because those people didn't want to hear that truth. They didn't want their idols torn down. They liked their idols. They thought that our idols were awesome. Yet, they had to speak the truth. And now in, 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 our, in, in our world, we see the same things. People don't want to hear the truth. Why? Because the truth can be tough to bear. Truth can mean that I've got to change some things about myself. Truth can mean, okay, maybe I'm wrong. And the worst thing for any of us to feel is I'm wrong, right? We know that in relationships and, and the world in general. I want to begin with a statement that um, Jeremiah makes in chapter 4, verse 10. It says, Then I said, Ah, Lord God, 
Surely you have utterly deceived this people. And Jerusalem saying, you will have peace, whereas a sword touches their throat. This is an interesting verse. Jeremiah is speaking honestly to God, right? There are times in our lives we speak honestly to God, and you know God is sovereign. God is all-knowing. God ordains all things from the beginning, so he knows everything, right? There are times that stuff's going on, and sometimes we state things honestly to God, too. But Jeremiah states this, and the first question I ask myself is, why would he feel that God is sending mixed signals, right? Because God's ordained to these things, right? He's, he's sovereign. God has a plan. It's not like he's saying one thing and changing his mind to another. He's, what, he's, what he's telling Jeremiah is the truth, and Jeremiah knows it's the truth, yet why would he feel that there's some mixed signals? And the reason is there are these so-called prophets telling people that there will be peace that there will be prosperity, that there will be joy and happiness. And now they are in a time under a really good king that they see fruits of that. So it's easy for those prophets, those false prophets, to prophesy that. And honestly, if it's anything like today's prophets, they're making profits all right with an F instead of a PH, right? They're making that money. It's, it's, it's what the people want to hear, therefore... They're getting popular, and that's the kind of thing that's happening in this situation, most likely. We look at uh, chapter 6, verse 14, and he talks about it. He brings it up. He says, They have healed the brokenness of my people superficially, saying, Peace, peace, but there is no peace. Why would God tell other folks peace in Jeremiah to pluck up, break down, destroy, and overthrow? Why would he say that? That's what Jeremiah is thinking in his head, right? Because surely God wouldn't be sending him mixed signals. And he might also be thinking, why would he let these false prophets even live? Why wouldn't he wipe them off the face of the planet if, he, if he's planning on actual destruction for for the nation, why wouldn't he just smash them? He's in a very confusing situation for himself. He's torn. And he tells God honestly, what do I do here? Now, lest we think this doesn't apply to us in some way, of course we're not a nation fixing to, that we know of, fixing to be smashed by another nation from the north that we know of. And they are, it's coming. Like the Babylonians are getting ready. Like they're sharpening swords and stuff. They're getting ready to, to get these dudes. But we are also living in a very confusing situation in this country, right? I mean, it's very, it can be very confusing, especially for those in the church, unfortunately, because, um, Violations of God's law are sin. We know that. Yet some preachers teach it's just a condition of our society. It's, a, it's oh, you you got shortcomings. Well, no, we have sins, and we need to repent of those sins. And we know that as, as those who are called by God 
to be his sons and daughters, right? We know that we need to be a people who repent when it's time to repent. We know when we sin. And thank, thank, thank God for his Holy Spirit living within us to convict us of those things, right? We, we have that conviction. That is a blessing and a grace of God that we are convicted of our own sins. Now, another thing is that scriptures teach that, just for example, you know, sexual sin incurs God's wrath. Yet, there are many preachers who condone those types of things and don't, don't even speak out against them. The Bible is clear that all who follow Christ will suffer. Jesus himself said, in this, in this life, you will have troubles and tribulations and suffering. But take heart, because I've overcome the world. Yet, many preachers say that suffering is a result of sin. Why would Jesus tell us that we're going to endure suffering if every time we suffer it's because we sin? I, I think we've got a problem here. This is, can you see how this is getting, could get confusing to the people of the church, especially young believers? Scriptures teach us to steward well and give back into the kingdom, right? Yet many uh, so-called prosperity preachers teach that, that money and wealth is to be coveted and hoarded and and in their case, bragged about. The scriptures affirm their own authority. And this is a key one, and this is probably the root of a lot of it, the root of all this confusion. The scriptures affirm their own authority, yet many so-called preachers claim that scripture must be interpreted to fit our culture. That some of it we need to unhitch from. Well, it's no wonder that we see confusion in the world and in the church. But God is not the source of confusion. Confusion comes from truth and lies being mixed. That's what happens. So we see in Jeremiah God telling him what's coming. And we see false prophets lying. And it's even causing the prophet who God has called to be confused in this situation. Preachers who do not represent, notice that, not represent, represent God's word are the issue in the church. We need to present God's word as we do every verse. Verse by verse. Don't skip because it's hard. Every verse we need to to present to God's people because it's all good and used to edify us, to lift us up, to discipline us, to do these things that are essential for us to have a, a firm grasp on what we need to know about God, about his kingdom, about his son, about how we are to live. It's important. So I want to go now to, to verse 19 of chapter 4. And listen to where Jeremiah is at. This is a pretty clear, <laughs> clear representation of his emotional state. It says, My soul, my soul, I am in anguish. Oh, my heart, my heart is pounding in me. I cannot be silent because you have heard, oh, my soul, the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war. So does Jeremiah question that God is telling him the truth, 
that this is what's coming. I don't think he questions that God is telling him the truth. He just doesn't understand why the other ones are saying peace, 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 peace. Right? But how does that make him feel? Very clearly, he's pulling a Fred Sanford. My heart. I'm coming to see you, Elizabeth, right? He's hurting for this nation. And he says, I can't be silent. I hear the sound of the trumpet. I hear the alarms of war. I've got to say these things. And yet, that doesn't mean that he doesn't feel this. He doesn't feel the weight of it. He doesn't feel sad that he knows. He's got to know. Some of these people are going to believe them. They're not going to believe me. Just an, a little insight into maybe where me and Kelby are sometimes. Sometimes when we get up and preach a truth, that's the thought that goes through our head. Some people are going to take this, but some people aren't going to believe this. We know that. It can be a tough place to be. It can, it can feel like a weight upon us, but we know that our job is to give the scriptures, give the truth. And God, through the Holy Spirit, is the one who puts it, on our, puts it in people's hearts. He's alone. Jeremiah is alone. He's doing this all by himself. He's the only one bringing any type of help in this situation. Not, not these other so-called prophets, not the, the priests or anybody else. He's the only voice that's saying these things to this people. And the people do not want to hear it. Listen to uh, chapter 6, verses 9 through 12. Thus says... The Lord of hosts, they will thoroughly glean as the vine the remnant of Israel. Pass your hand again like a grape gatherer over the branches. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ears are closed. They cannot listen. Behold, the word of the Lord has become a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. But I am full of the wrath of the Lord. I am weary with holding it in. Pour it out on the children of, in the street and on the gathering of young men together. For both husband and wife shall be taken, the aged and the very old. Their houses shall be turned over to others, their fields and their wives together. For I will stretch out my hand against the inhabitants of the land, says the Lord. It's very clear. God is not pulling any punches. His wrath for this is going to be poured out. And those the, from from. Man to woman, child, young and old, they're going to be taken. What they have is going to be dispersed to those who take them. They will be probably separated. They will probably be enslaved. They'll, all these things are going to happen. And this is what's in Jeremiah's heart that he's got to tell them. But here's the great diagnosis of the issue in verse 10. Listen to this. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ears are closed, and they cannot listen 
Behold, the word of the Lord has become a reproach to them. They have no delight in it. The diagnosis of the issue is this. First, they're living in an unholy manner and they cannot even understand the word of the Lord. Their uncircumcised ears, you know how he talked about being circumcised in their hearts and their minds and their ears so that they can hear what God has to say? Their uncircumcised ears were bent toward the false prophets because they liked what the false prophets were saying. And secondly, God offends them. So they don't care about his word. They, they do not love God and therefore they do not love his voice. His voice speaking to them through the word of the Lord coming to them from Jeremiah. Notice how that, how that set of verses end. It says, declares the Lord. That means God is saying this to his people. And they don't want to hear that. So, as we end, kind of where, where, does, where does Jeremiah go? What's his, what's his next steps? You see, Jeremiah, it says in verse 27 of chapter 6, it says, I have made you an assayer and a tester among my people that you may know and assay their way. Now, assayers are not something that we talk about all the time, but basically... Jeremiah is the tester. He's the one that's going to test this people. And actually, that actually requires that he is somewhat tested himself, right? That will he say these things? Will I speak the word with boldness? Even though they don't listen. Because they, these people, based on what we see in Scripture, they despised directives. They didn't want to be told what to do. Thus, the word of God, which was the law, was gone. They didn't want to be told what to do. I don't want to be told what to do. That's, that's my nature. I have to fight it at work and everywhere else. I don't want to be told what to do. A lot of times, especially when I was younger, if I was told what to do, I wanted to do the exact opposite of what I was told to do because I despise directives, just like these people. You see, what was interesting about this people is they loved his, God's stuff, the blessing that they got from God, which was a nation, prosperity. They were a, 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 a blossoming, blooming, rich nation, and they loved all that. But did they love God himself? God has given them all some, a bunch of stuff. But they're rejecting God himself. And they're running towards other idols. You see, an assayer is this. It's someone who tests metal. Does anybody know how you test metal? You got to add what to test metal? fire, heat. Like, how do you burn the impurities out of gold? You get it hot, 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 melt it down, then you see it all rise to the top, you skim it off, and then you have a purer gold, right? Jeremiah is the one who is going to test the metal of this people. 
He's going to give them the truth, which is not fun to give, and is like a fire. It's going to burn some things. And what we see for the man who is called to preach the true gospel and the full counsel of God, we see that representing, giving out God's word verse by verse, all of it, not compromising any of it, it turns up the heat on people. It turns up the heat on, honestly, it turns up the heat on the speaker himself. <laughs> it begins to test it begins to burn out the impurities. And that is something that you will never get from somebody like these false prophets who's telling you what you want to hear, giving a man-centered talk about how awesome you are and how awesome everything is and how, how if, you, if you'll just sow your seed, everything's going to happen for you, you're going to get healed. Or, hey... It doesn't matter what you do. God loves you so much and he thinks you're awesome and there's nothing he would change about you. He made you just like you are. And as we talked before, God made us how we are and because he made us how we are, he can tell us how we should be. And he will never leave us in our sin. So, see Jeremiah's loneliness. And I think that's going to be a theme throughout this, the rest of this book. These things that he has to say to these people, it's just him saying it. He doesn't have a group of followers that are helping him out. He's not uh, started a multi-site church. He's not done any of those things. He's the one in the streets declaring these things. And you're going to see some confrontations, I think, soon with those false prophets who say, no, 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 everything's fine, guys, everything's good. And we'll see how he handles those things. I kind of want to end here with kind of a little bit of an analogy to help us understand. And I think, honestly, for me, what this, what this um, helps me with the most is just to appreciate pastors like Brother Kelby who will give the word uncompromising to his own hurt he would give the word, the truth. Even if he had to preach something that he knows half the people are going to get up and walk out, he's going to preach the word regardless. Men like Brother Kelby, other men throughout my life and throughout you know, all of Christianity who will give that word uncompromisingly even if it's difficult to give. Makes me appreciate those people. And it makes me pray for the soul of those who don't. But imagine a doctor, a well-trained, understanding the idea of medicine, understanding the human body. This doctor knows what to do. They know how to take care of these issues. They know how to see a sickness on like an ultrasound or, or see a, 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 a blood screening. They know these things. They know what to do. They can diagnose you perfectly. Now imagine that doctor never, ever prescribed the proper medicine to help anybody. 
they have broken their oath, right? Their oath is to do no harm. Well, if you know somebody's sick and you say, I'm not going to prescribe them the right medicine, you don't prescribe antacids for stomach cancer, right? You don't prescribe Tylenol for a brain tumor, right? This doctor sees those things and he never, ever prescribes the proper medicine. What kind of doctor would that be? That's an evil doctor. And there's no doubt about that. This is the situation Jeremiah sees in his nation. He sees all these prophets proclaiming peace, peace, peace. While the idols are built in homes, the idols are even showing up in the temple, the idols are in the streets, and yet these so-called prophets are in the streets saying, everything's fine, you're good, it's all good, guys. Check out how awesome things are. That's Jeremiah's situation. He sees a bunch of doctors who should know the cure. It should be, if they're prophets hearing from God, and yet they prescribe peace. If we're honest in our country, unfortunately, the vast majority of what we see is Christianity, there's a lot of that happening, unfortunately. So we, we, sh we should pray that God would reform us, revive us, turn men's hearts back to him. And it has to start in pulpits with men who are called by God to preach the true word of God and stand even when it's hard.